What up? It <laughs> <laughs> sounded like you said it with a gun to your head. I was just trying to be someone I wasn't. <laughs> I want to be a what up girl. You know, at that moment when you realize you're not a what up girl. <laughs> Throw some ideas around. See if you know anyone else has like a theme they had in mind or something they've been thinking of. Or what about a Pixar themed shower? And I, uh, I'll just snowball on top of that. Also, Fight Club. Fight Club. Fight Club. Female Fight Club. We pull in. We grease up. Surprise! Female Fight Club. She's not going to forget that. Welcome back to episode three of the Female Fight Club podcast where the first rule is to have fun and be yourself episode three people chris harrison has left the chat the hbo woody allen docuseries has placed him back on our twitter feeds and has anyone heard from army hammer lately not i not i in this episode we are going to be talking about some of our personal problematic faves and whether we or society have decided to forgive them the best part is we actually have a very special guest with us our full-time homie miss katie katie welcome to the podcast <laughs> thank you thank you very much and because abby says it so much on the last podcast it is a freaking honor oh to be God. here i was waiting i was just freaking waiting for you, you were to say just freaking waiting weren't you uh, yeah. uh we're very excited to have katie on the podcast because Woo-hoo. we uh she's one of our best friends we've both known her for a really long time katie you and i have known each other for almost a decade actually i know uh but we didn't actually become friends Mm-mm. uh until little miss abigail over here uh rekindled the bond yeah um our freaking oh i said it again our <laughs> dear dear friend an actual uh former roommate of mine um and also very important to mention that a she's a leading ross character that's for damn sure give us a paleontology fact uh, why don't for you? all the listeners Ooh. before you do katie is the leading ross character because in university go stangs went to western katie studied biological anthropology in university and it was actually it's quite lovely she came home every day fascinated by her classes and just really felt the need to tell us as many facts as she could and so she would tell us all these facts every day and we'd be like oh that's that's great, Katie. Awesome. That's so cool. Lucy, dinosaur, what? Lucy wasn't a dinosaur. Oh my God. Lucy <laughs> is a Neanderthal. No, no, none of these things are true. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to limit her to one anthropological fact a day. And it's clear that we have retained exactly none of the facts. Zero. Even the one Zero. thing I thought I knew. The one it's thing. not true. How many times <laughs> have I said Australopithecus afarensis? Oh, too many. <laughs> Um, I have a cool fact. I learned it the other day. I'm not sure how true it is. It said that humans have really large whites in their eyes compared to other primates. And the reason why is theorized to be in addition to, you know, some more bio- biological stuff that I don't know, is that mm. it helps us communicate with each other via like our eyes, just being able to look, you know, how like, I feel like we could communicate with simply a look <laughs> you know like like shifty eyes or like mm. rolling your eyes when you have more white in your eyes it conveys oh. more emotion than when you have more of like a you know the actual interesting and pupil and stuff i actually really do appreciate all the facts that you give and another fun fact katie and i have also traveled together and we had did a lovely lovely trip to la and we did the classic whipped along the pacific coast highway we shredded that gnar and had a 
incredible time. And one of our places that we went to was actually in Malibu. Katie, do you Mm -hmm. want to take it away here? Oh boy. We did a surfing expedition to um, some pretty cool beaches in Malibu. And the guy that was teaching us how to surf had basically said, I'm going to take you guys to a, like the, the rich area of Malibu Super where secluded, a lot of yeah, like, isolated. Pierce Brosnan lives there. And we were like, what? We're not going to see Pierce Brosnan. That's crazy, but we'll go. We went we're surfing along, finished up our surfing trip, and then we could see Pierce Brosnan's house in the background, but thought nothing of it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's Pierce Brosnan probably yeah. filming a movie or something. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, man just rolls out, walks strolling walking along the beach, dog. walking his dog, super normal, super hot. It was wild. So we obviously mustered up the courage to, it didn't take much, but it mustered up the courage. <laughs> marched right up to him, honestly. Marched right up. <laughs> 007. Oh my God. You have two Bond girls right here. <laughs> Abby was literally hitting on him. <laughs> also, one thing I want to mention is um, Abby and Katie sent me this picture without any context. Oh my God. I remember. <laughs> they take a selfie with Pierce Brosnan. Obviously they send it to me without context. I take one look at it. I send it to approximately three or four people before even responding. And all of them think it's Joe Biden. <laughs> we should have just posted that and said that we met the now president. <laughs> we were so embarrassed though, because I remember we were driving back from that lesson and we were just like riding such a high. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Okay. We're going to post this now. Um, what should we make some of the hashtags? And we did hashtag silver Fox. It was like hashtag call me or something. It was yeah, like a bunch of something super <laughs> aggressive and like sexual in nature. And he obviously saw it, commented on it and said, Oh, Canada. Canada. Didn't he say something like really nice? Like enjoy the voyage. Yeah. So, yeah enjoy. It was lovely journey. And he was honestly so lovely to so talk nice. to. The best part of the story is that I have never looked so bad in a photo. Even <laughs> <laughs> in the photo, the one photo we took with Pierce Brosnan. So much so that Abby said one of her friends thought that I was in my thirties. <laughs> no, actually there's a, one part of the story that I didn't tell you actually. <laughs> Someone was like, oh, Abby, why did you take a photo with Pierce and his wife? <laughs> It's a bad angle. I was wrinkly from the sun. I had salt, like my, the salt had dried out my skin. It wasn't a good photo. I had a huge pimple. In my and this just goes to show when Abby and I were in LA, we thought that we were like hot shit when we got to LA. We're like, you know what? We're two good looking girls. Immediately humbled. I've never, yeah, I've truly never been shot so quickly, so far down in my life. Like we're like a, I don't know, a Toronto, like above a five for sure. In LA, yeah. we're yeah. like a two, maybe a one. Truly, just garbage. <laughs> Oils. Yeah, the conversion rate is not kind. It not is kind. Not. Anyway, people, now that you have met Katie and you know her so intimately, let's get into the meat and bones of this podcast, the meat and potatoes. Yeah, we each prepared one person that we either personally admired or a person who is generally admired by a lot of people. This is a person whose fans felt particularly betrayed when they learned some unfavorable truths about them. Yes, indeed. Um, So we haven't told each other about who we're bringing to the table. Um, So prepare to be surprised. And generally, though, I think it's important for us to sprinkle in a little content warning here because some of the themes can get heavy. Yes, content warning for anybody who needs it. Uh, But yeah, we knew Katie was the right person for this topic because she's just so darn eloquent. And because she's our guest, we are uh, forcing her to go first. No pressure, but the world is watching. 
So my pick was, is the front man of the Smiths, legend, British icon, Stephen Patrick Morrissey. Uh-oh. Oh, no, oh. God. What has oh, he done? No. Oh, no. <laughs> but you know what? Actually, I have, a, I don't, I, I'm excited for you to talk about this because I feel, I, I don't quite know that much mm. about the front yeah. man. So to preface, the Smiths are a British band and they, it's not just Morrissey, but he is kind of like the front man. Quintessential, Quintessential. hipster. Independent. They were like the British independent movement in what, the 80s? I mean, the Smiths in general are known as a big, big British cultural icon, but Morrissey mm-hmm. is kind of like the face of it um, and probably the most famous out of the whole band. I think the the band itself, like the Smiths in general, incredible band, so unique. As I said earlier, like rock and independent indie music, always been a big part of my life. You both know mm-hmm. that music basically fills the silence in every part of my life. I basically either am enjoying <laughs> myself being with friends or listening to music or watching Parks and Rec. So that's pretty much it. Uh, so the the band itself just has this really unique ability to have like the most upbeat, like lovely tune while also having the saddest lyrics. And I think that's what makes it so fun. Like you get like a mishmash of several different emotions when you listen to them, right? It's like this upbeat music being like, if a double decker mm-hmm. bus crashes into us, yeah. You know, so, by your yes. side. Yes. They got it's that they're English. English. That angst exactly. to them. That angsty, I that get angsty, it. That angsty tune. And so, you know, some of my favorite songs, <laughs> like How Soon Is Now, This Charming Man, just a couple, some great tunes. Would recommend to a friend. Okay, so what did Morrissey do? And maybe it's a lot of things, but maybe what's what's the, the snowball yeah. of what happened? So essentially, I wouldn't say that it's something that he did in like a, a month that got him canceled. I think he's just all around mm-hmm. known for being a very controversial character and even... He's been saying weird stuff since like the 80s that people have found to be very odd, but I think only in the last decade has it come to light that it's really not okay. And I'll, I'll dive into it. But like, I thought he was just one thing, a musician with like really complicated mm-hmm. and interesting lyrics. And it really resonated with me, like even into adulthood. And then I just found out he was the worst guy. And I was like, oh, like damn it. Just to paint a picture. When he talked about Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey, like he, he responded to the allegation. <laughs> he said... He said, on some occasions, the person referred to as the victim is merely disappointed. He said, people know exactly what's going on and they play along. And afterwards, they feel embarrassed or disliked and they turn around and say, I was attacked. So he, oh, ooh. Um, that, is, that is rough and very hard to come back. Garbage. <laughs> Um, what else? He was quoted as saying that British identity is being eroded by immigration. And he said the gates are flooded and anybody can just like access England and come on in. Jesus, dude. He also said, uh, he's like a huge vegan, like animal rights activist. And in response to the treatment of animals in China, he said, you can't help but feel that the Chinese are a subspecies. Okay. I can confirm that's incorrect. (laughs) I, I just want to say, speaking as an impartial person in the matter, speaking as a completely third what party is it? observer, third party observer with absolutely no interest in the matter. Oh my God. So this like, just realize that this is one of the, if not the most famous British person. And this guy's saying he's spewing this absolute hot, hot garbage, hot garbage. So that's and that's very interesting. So then obviously with I would imagine an amazing symbol to England mm-hmm. with an incredible following. Mm-hmm. 
How did most of his fans react to all this? I would say it's pretty like there's going to be some diehard the Smiths um, Mm -hmm. supporters that don't really care. Um, I think a lot of his stuff is definitely contested. Like one Google of Morrissey Mm -hmm. and you can see that like his record label like dropped him after some of the sus stuff that he said in like 2017. The world's oldest record store banned all of his sales. I don't know if they banned him. He has a solo album because the Smiths disbanded in like 1987 or something. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if they've kind of blocked off the Smith stuff, but they've definitely blocked off his solo stuff. And I think most, most of his fans or people who are a fan of the Smiths recognize like he's the worst guy. If you just take one look at Reddit, it's like, he's a twat, like he's an idiot, but they (laughs) recognize that he's like an incredibly talented musician. And that's the dichotomy that I'm like super, super interested in. It's like, okay, you are a very like questionable (laughs) in some cases, terrible person with terrible opinions, but how are we supposed to engage with your art without feeling bad? Or can we do that without feeling bad? Yeah. I don't know. You are so gifted in this one thing. How can the world put mm-hmm. aside something so grotesque in yeah. some ways that this guy can be? Do you know people who like, who don't listen to the Smiths because of him? Like, have you heard that opinion? No, I, I don't personally know anybody and I don't know anybody who would be honest yeah. and I think that's I kind think of what's getting interesting away about with it it's interesting yeah. and and like I'm, I'll get into it but I haven't either and there's reasons that I feel I mean I still don't really the jury's still out on this one I feel like I'm still back and forth between how I feel about these things because I'm definitely at odds when I started learning about this one because I love the Smiths and two because the rhetoric just seems so at odds with what the music is about like all the the lyrics are about like belonging and shared experiences of grief and love and loneliness and like his parents are irish immigrants Mm -hmm. and so it's a bit like where does this sentiment come from and i don't know i just feel like i don't know why but to me listening to them it doesn't really evoke support for morrissey just because i never subscribed to his personal life in the first place when i was really into the band in the same way that like i did with anthony keaters or john frusciante when i listened to the chili peppers i was mm-hmm. super involved in learning about their backstory and how their personal lives contextualize their music but i i never did that with morrissey that's interesting So then in your case, you can say that you can separate art from the artist. Yeah, I think like the example I like in this specific case, I think there's just something to be said for an uninformed appreciation of art. Like I I like to think of the example I was thinking this earlier, the song Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. I didn't have to know that it was about his deceased son in order to understand like the gravity and the beauty of the song. So like, why would I have to understand and know like Morrissey's background, like how it informs his music and how the art is the artist or vice versa? Mm -hmm. Because I don't need to know who he is as a person to understand why the music is so lovely. And I feel like Mm -hmm. if you find out the context of the author, the the appreciation is either further emphasized or reassessed with a more critical lens, but it doesn't negate mm-hmm. the love that you had for the song or the artist or whatever. Um, especially if you consider like all the positive culture movements that the music has inspired and like weighting that against the artist's background and stuff. Um, especially because I was thinking the other day, like I'm not ever going to subscribe to the idea of the, the individual genius when I listen to the Smiths. Like the Smith mm-hmm. isn't just Morrissey's singing and songwriting and therefore mm-hmm. his problematic stance. It's like the guitar, the bass, the drums, the production, like the context in How which I listen together. to it. Yeah, there's so many different things that incorporate music. Um, 
So I don't know. I think I'm still definitely at odds with the idea of financially supporting him through streaming. And that's something I still don't really know how to make amends with. Cause at the end of the day, cultural movements are, and what is enjoyed by the public is often informed by like the proximity to power, right? Like culture is dictated mm-hmm. by those at the top. And that's what makes me uncomfortable about it is like, I I'm actively engaging in like this person who's like alt-right and fascist. <laughs> and ultimately he has more sway than somebody's whose political opinion I actually value. This is the thing that I find really hard to come to terms with is like, I'd be okay continuing to listen to the Smiths based on what Morrissey has said, as long as like, I don't feel like his music or his, his personal life has informed the way I listen to the music. But like, I certainly would not listen to somebody who came out off the bat, like a neo-Nazi and was like, Hey, here's my music. I'm a neo-Nazi. And it was like his first album. Even if it was incredible, I would refuse. To Even if it to was it. literally Mozart, <laughs> I would not do it. <laughs> okay. Well, we are going to test this theory as this podcast continues, because I do have a musical pick spoiler <gasps> alert, but before that we will go to Abby's. We will enter the world of sport. Aha. Oh, yes, yes. Can you separate now, the the sport from, from the sportist? <laughs> the sport from the sportist. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming. <laughs> I'm going to use that from now on, the sportist. All right, people. I am excited to talk about my person and I just want to preface that my person, it, it's not necessary. I didn't go the route that you guys did of someone that was extremely beloved to you. Um, this person does not have that effect that your people might have for you guys. But I think it's especially interesting because as we enter the world of sport, sports fans tend to have the most passionate fans and the fandom that you have runs super, super deep. That's super true. They are like the most loyal that there is kind of. Truly, They literally light fires when they're upset when they don't win. Yeah. That's some crazy passion. So my person, and I, I, if you haven't heard of him, I'm very sorry. Antonio Brown people. It's Antonio Brown. Ah, yes, yes. Tell me. Yes, I shall. I shall. And I really will. Okay. So for you, for the people that don't know him, um, he goes by Antonio Brown, AB, and is, was one of the best, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL from about like 2010 to 2018 ish. Okay. Um, I mean, debatable still today, honestly, but we know that the NFL is a big, big, big ginormous business in the US. Um, it runs football, it runs a day of the week even. Um, and for the better part of the decade, AB was one of the best players in the league. Um, so playing for one of the league's most storied franchises at one of the most prestigious positions um, from this time frame, he really was pretty untouchable in the NFL. Okay. Um, he's caught more passes than any other player during that time. He made it to the Pro Bowl seven times. He led the NFL in a number of key categories, which I don't have to get into, but also most recently won the Super Bowl with the Bucks. So that yeah. the one that we just had. Yes. Yes. Okay. Super so, Bowl. We know mm. Super Bowl. We're girls. We're girls. We drink beer. Just a cool girl. All right. So hit me with the facts. What did Antonio do? Well, Mm. guys, despite all these successes that I've just mentioned, it's also very known and coupled with all of this is that he was incredibly tough to be around and had many issues with players, coaches, um, and then some. So, I mean, Mm. 
I won't go too much into his whole career. I, I mean, I'm, I'll just hit it on some of the facts. So he requested a trade himself on Instagram, <laughs> was traded to the Oakland Raiders, who then made him the highest paid receiver in the league. He didn't end up playing a game because of his off-field issues. And when I say off-field issues, I mean his he had several anger issues, issues with other coaches, not showing up to practice, just being kind of a shit player like that. Mm -hmm. And then ended up signing with the New England Patriots shortly after, but then was cut after one game, um, then started to become more of a known issue off the field and less of a good player. And mm -hmm. this is where it gets a little finicky here. So trigger warning, multiple women have since then come out accusing him of sexual assault and misconduct, including one of his former trainers oh, who God. has currently yeah, filed a lawsuit against him, which is ongoing and will begin in December. Um, but anyway, that aside, he received, on, in addition to this, received an eight-game suspension from the NFL, ironically, not due to the sexual assault allegations, but for a separate incident in January what? when he was in violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy. So this suspension was something that um, he was dealing with for an arrest connected to attacking a moving truck company driver. Okay. That's what got him an eight game suspension, yes. not, uh, not yeah. sexual assault allegations. Mm -hmm. um, but then he did, and he, uh, he ended up pleading um, pleading to the felony and burglary charges mm -hmm. and then received two years of probation. So this was, that was March of 2020, mm -hmm. October, 2020. He was signed to the bus. Wow. Oh, wow. Congratulations on your prison sentence. Here is a million dollars. <laughs> that was a fast turnaround. That was a quick recovery. <laughs> quick recovery. Yeah. Oh my God, how good is he? Come on, people. <laughs> he must be literally incredible. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like Another sort of interesting tidbit to throw into this entire mix um, during all these accusations and during most of his problematic actions towards his teammates and coaches, he also actually was in Drake Aubrey Graham's God's Plan music video. What? Really? Yes. Doing what? There's one scene when he gives like a... Uh, uh, like a shopping spree to someone. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. He makes a cameo in oh. that? Yeah. All I know is that if you end up making a cameo in a Drake video, then that means you're still pretty forgiven in this world. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. So clearly, um, Antonio Brown is not currently facing many consequences for what sounds to be a really serious and terrible allegation against him multiple allegations against him Indeed. of sexual assault which is honestly makes me think of athletes in general are just held to such a high standard like to a god standard it's like mm -hmm. oh nobody can do what they yeah. can do therefore we must forgive them for their sins because yes. like who can be a wide receiver like they can and it's like mm -hmm. think about oj simpson too like he was so oh, man. so damn loved on the field that mm -hmm. nobody was really like willing nobody in that world at least was willing yeah. to give those allegations and what was so clearly the truth any mm -hmm. real semblance of um accountability is crazy no absolutely and i think that's that's such i love that you made that parallel because yeah these guys come do come across as gods god's plan that's why he was in the video <laughs> he was in god's plan because of this um this reminds me of like every 
college athlete story, right? Like they mm. never have proper repercussions when sexual assault allegations come Brock out. Turner. Brock Turner. Yeah, because crackers. of like their crazy potential in the field. Oh, well, we would not. Well, God forbid we cut his career short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but he was going to be an aspiring swimmer. Yeah, I've what? heard it all before and I'm not happy about that. It's just, it's just, it, it just really irks me and grinds my gears. It, it's very interesting. And I wonder, so clearly from like an NFL standpoint or like an organization mm-hmm. within months of his first charge and all these allegations, it's just, it, it's not enough. So I guess from the fan, from crazy football fandom to what the organization thinks they can separate personal life with performance. But then I guess that like begs the question of like, we're talking about separating sport from sportist, but how does it play into separating the sport from the athlete from the NFL? Like, how does this, Mm. you know, the organization that's responsible for keeping his job and because it's not just the fans, I don't know. It's a, you know, who's accountable. That's true actually. And I mean, and I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of and equating it to, let's say like, uh, the like the ABC network with Chris Harrison, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's responsible for that, yeah. or or like yeah. HBO for playing Woody Allen. I don't know, like yeah. and, or or organizations that are funding Woody Allen's projects moving forward and stuff. That was a good point, Abby. Like HBO, for example, is the one that is um, putting out the Woody Allen docu series, but while housing some of his films on their streaming platform. Like, yeah, make it makes sense. Make it make sense. The the it's the same with um, Morrissey and the Smiths. It's like he's the artist. The music is his. You know the Smiths music, and then a lot of record labels dropped him after realizing all the stuff like the weird shit that he. Been yeah, saying. actually, yeah, that's that's true. It's like the secondary. Oh. Yeah. So all great points. All, all great, great points. points. Thank you for bringing this one to the table. Thank you, and uh, think about think about this next time you're chowing down on a nice crisp salad during the Super Bowl. I'll keep this in mind next year. <laughs> Jasmine, I'm very excited to to hear your person. I, when you said singer, I, I don't, uh, would you like to venture a guess? If you say share, I will hang up on the skull. <laughs> what is problematic about share? No. If I found Mike. something, let's just be frank. I wouldn't share it. Um, no, you'll be you'll be happy to know it doesn't have anything to do with share, but it does have something to do with another very almost I would say equally iconic singer. The person I am bringing for this conversation is Michael Jackson. Okay. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, that's hard. This that's one hard. was a no-brainer for me because <sighs> I was a huge capital mm. H huge Michael Jackson fan. Like majorly majorly like was affected by his death in 2009. I remember where I was when I found out that he had mm. passed. And just the way that everybody like all of the artists mm. that I still look up to today, like they lean on Michael Jackson a lot for like mm-hmm. their own artistic inspiration and expression so jasmine this is a great one thank you so much for bringing this to the table Mm -hmm. yeah i brought this up because it's a really divided issue actually among artists like his musical legacy lives on in a lot of people that we listen listen to today and that's kind of so let me just um let me go through the allegation timeline and kind of like how shocking it is when you think about how long we have known about you know, the sexual abuse allegations, particularly Mm -hmm. of, you know, young boys um, Mm -hmm. that were hanging around Michael Jackson for 
decades, there was kind of, I don't know if you guys remember that, but like he had a little playground called Neverland. It was like a play on Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. The boy who never grew up. Yeah, I actually, oh, I remember that because I read about it in my, my J14 magazines that I yes. used to get. And I always, I was always like, oh, I'm so jealous. Like, I wish I could go there. Like, can you, can you imagine? That's <laughs> I awful. was down. I was like, I was jealous of those kids. I was like, this is like incredible. Yeah. This guy has like all the toys in the world. In his home. It's, it's a bit there of a Peter Pan syndrome situation. Like he didn't have a childhood. That's what everybody used to say. Oh, you know, his childhood was taken away from him because his dad put him in Jackson 5 at the age of maybe five or six. And he didn't get, mm-hmm. he missed out. He missed out on his experiences. And that's why he's hanging out with those young yeah. boys. Um, of course, now we have a much clearer picture of kind of what happened there. I'm just going to like quickly yeah, go please, through some fire of away. It. I will be sparing some details because they're genuinely so, so, so upsetting. But the first ever allegations came out in 1993. Whoa. I did not that's, that. that's before we were born that this was in the cultural lexicon. Just by one year for me, but... <laughs> When that happened, the LAPD investigated, as as they should. Wow. They kind of dropped the case because there was a lack of physical evidence. You know, there was one of his, you know, one of his um, friends at the time who was a very mm-hmm. young boy, like his mm-hmm. family sued and said that this yeah. went on behind closed doors. And um, yeah, there was a lack of physical evidence and the case was dropped. I think there was a big payoff that was involved and everybody kind of forgot about it. Like it's Jeez. pretty, and it kind oh, of became man. a joke. It kind of speaks to like the cultural, um, atmosphere at the time. It was just like mm-hmm. the fact that child pedophilia is like a punchline is just mm-hmm. so yeah. crazy to think of now. Just would not fly today. So fast forward 10 years, mm-hmm. there was a documentary that came out in 2003 mm-hmm. called Living with Michael Jackson. Um, and you actually see his like playful relationship with a lot of these young boys and oh, it's no. played off. It's played off as harmful childlike fun, but there is one mm-hmm. scene where he like literally goes to sleep. Like they go to bed together. <gasps> Oh, and it's like and no, knowing what you know, knowing now. what you know, and so so this obviously raised a lot of eyebrows um, in that world. This doc led authorities to reopen the case against Michael Jackson. Wow! Um, and charges were actually laid that time. I sorry, think. What, what year is this now? This was in two thousand three. <gasps> wow. So 10 years after those, those initial allegations mm-hmm. came out. Jasmine, this is such a good one because I, I totally agree with you where there was, we knew about it. We had heard about it. We read about it. We, people knew of this and it, it, it came up, but we just kind of turned, we just turned a blind eye. It, it did. It became a punchline. It was like, oh, yeah. like, don't leave your kids alone with Michael Jackson. It was like, okay, but there's like actual allegations. Yeah, it was, it's crazy actually to think of the things that people would, would joke about not that long ago. Um, mm-hmm. So in 2005, then like after that documentary came out, the criminal trial opens, tons of people actually come forward and testify on behalf of Michael Jackson, like I'm talking Jay Leno, Macaulay Culkin, actually, who famously had a relationship with Michael Jackson. Came the guy from Home said, Alone? The guy from oh, yeah. Home Alone. Yeah, okay. they were really tight. And apparently no abuse went on there, allegedly. I remember hearing that. Yeah. A lot of people testified and said, you know, Michael Jackson would never do this. He's just, you know, he's a very like loving person and just mm-hmm. enjoys the company of, of younger people. Um, and the interesting thing about that is, did you guys see the latest hbo documentary called leaving neverland okay mm-hmm. this is on my radar and i i and like this is exactly where i am kind of ignorant in that i don't want to see it yet 
It's brutal. I'm going to read out a tweet that Judd Apatow wrote of all people. Oh, very respected said, person in your yeah, opinion. I just had to because his, his words to. really spoke to me. He said, <laughs> he said, it takes days to recover from this documentary. Five minutes in, you will think to yourself, oh my God, every word they are saying is true. Um, so for those who don't know, this documentary oh, involved two um, men, they're now men, um, mm-hmm. who are recounting their experiences from like 20 when years ago. When they were ago, boys. When they were boys, finally coming forward about what went on. I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you the details because mm-hmm. they genuinely are that horrific. And just like that tweet oh, mentioned, God. like you don't need to really, it's a two-part documentary, but you don't even need to go halfway through the first one to just feel so, so, so sick to your stomach. Oprah had both of these men in a sit down interview, like she's embraced this. I think Ellen has embraced these two men saying, you know, thank you for sharing your stories. But then there were other people, you know, on the other side of it. So it's a weird, it's a weird one to bring up, but I know Aaron Carter was like, you're stomping on someone's (laughs) grave. Aaron, literally nobody asked. Yeah. No, no one asked. We still haven't forgiven you for what you've done to Hillary Tapso. But I brought that up because I thought his sentiment, like this is so highly disrespectful. This was the king of pop. How dare you mm-hmm. kind of bring this wow. up? The state and his family who are still grieving and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, mm-hmm. what I'm going to do now is kind of segue into why it's really difficult. Okay, I don't listen to Michael Jackson music because of this. Like I have not been able to probably endure a full song since listening to this. Really? Mm-hmm. I just... I can't do it, you guys. Mm. I know every beat, every note, every lyric. And oh I my just and sometimes even if I whistle it, I feel dirty. And I don't know why, but because I wow. know some people don't have that hard of a time and they can separate the art from the artist in that case. As I said earlier, his music and his legacy and his influence seriously lives on in artists that we listen to today. I'm just going to read a couple mm-hmm. quotes. Mm-hmm. Beyonce. said I'm so happy I got to tell him how much he impacted my life I honestly would not have been anything any amount of success I had I wouldn't have had without Michael Jackson he's taught me so much and my family so much okay friends of the pod you guys know how much Beyonce is like a huge 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 how many concerts have you seen of hers by four is it four abby yeah um aside from aside from beyonce there's the weekend he actually said i found my falsetto because of off the wall which is one of michael jackson's most records um even you guys even the super bowl performance that he Mm -hmm. did i was sat there and i watched it and i was like this gives me michael jackson vibes i know there is a clear reference to thriller when they were all on the football field red cars going on 30 iconic Thirty going on thirty, yeah, of course. I mean, it's 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 very it's very hard to detach it from pop culture. Um, I'm gonna throw this in because Abby said he was her fave. Usher as well has paid major homage to to Michael Jackson in (sighs) choreography. Like the way that Usher dances is is because of Michael Jackson in many ways. Ergo, Justin Bieber. And and there you go. Like it's just being passed <laughs> down to generation down to generation. To the greatest artist of all time, Justin Bieber. <laughs> and my point is Michael Jackson gave us Justin Bieber. Yep. Yeah. The most important so- artist of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say that many of the people who expressed that he was an inspiration to them early on have, mm-hmm. have not 
spoken publicly about this documentary or the allegations mm. in any real way. How convenient. <laughs> and it just makes me think like how far people are actually really willing to go to defend someone, you know, just because of how mm-hmm. incredibly influential they were in their craft. I mean, he is the king of pop. I don't think there is mm-hmm. a new king of pop. Again, Justin Bieber. <laughs> Two words, <laughs> Justin Bieber kept with the times. While we're eating fondue. <laughs> king, lyrical genius. Stratford's finest. That is an Ontario (laughs) import, everybody. I was going to say, I think something that's probably really hard for a lot of artists as well. Like, think about it. it, Say one of you, you know, we've been friends for a long time, eight years, whatever. And then it comes out that you've done some pretty awful thing that you maybe didn't know or maybe you heard rumors about, but like you love that person dearly. Mm -hmm. How do you, I guess, how do you make amends with that? Like there's, you know, the, this other side of this person, which I'm assuming a lot of these uh, artists are saying, like, I don't know if the weekend was friends with Michael Jackson. (laughs) No, but even like, (laughs) but Beyonce and and other big artists. His uh, Quincy Jones, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I can see why when the documentary came out, like a lot of artists were probably quiet because they were like, I can't, I can't put together these two different people, this person that I loved and this person that Mm -hmm. was a horrible, horrible human being. Yeah, and that actually segues really nicely into a quote that I found in an article that I just Mm -hmm. had to share with you guys. Um, Mm -hmm. This is from arts and culture editor Maria Garcia. She goes, I will always love Jackson's music. I won't pretend I don't feel a loss. And perhaps Mm -hmm. one day I'll figure out a way to reconcile instead of simply expunging it from my life. Mm -hmm. But how can I encourage its consumption when I know that it's that very love that blinded us to the alleged abuse that has scarred, you know, Mm -hmm. minds and bodies and ruined lives. Mm -hmm. Maria Garcia. Yeah. So you spits truth. Speaking the truth. Dang. It's hard, right? That that's yeah. It's a bit of a she's, double-edged she's, she sword. Honestly, that, that's a great quote. That kind of sums it up really nicely. It's, our love is truly blind. Love is blind. That we should be a show. Love. <laughs> love is blind. I'm going to pitch that to Netflix. All right, this brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, what did we learn? I think we learned this sounds like it's pretty subjective. I think it really depends on the person. I don't think there's an answer of yes, you can, or yes, you cannot mm-hmm. separate the the mm-hmm. art from the artist, the sport from the sportist, <laughs> or really any, any person from their work, yeah. because it all depends on how you interpret their work and how you let their personal, I guess, history mm-hmm. or experience inform your interpretation of that work. So I think it's it's so context specific and depends on the person. Respect, respect. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, and just snowballing off that, <laughs> we'll say it's great reference. Thank you. Great film. Um, it does seem like there is this sliding scale, like what, mm-hmm. what's too far? What's, what's that line? Everyone seems to have their own. What's that line that you're going to draw in the sand where you say, mm, that's too much for me. I can't listen to mm-hmm. MJ anymore. Or you know what? I can listen to the Smith still. Um, and I think overall, I know that cancel culture in general is super problematic. Um, there, it, that alone has its own issues and we can do a whole other episode on that. But at the end of the day, what is important about cancel culture? And I think the the main item that we that people really should be taking away from it is that is that item of accountability people need to be held accountable for their for their for what they decide to do or or don't do and uh yeah 
Okay, everybody. Well, we want to know if you have thoughts on this. Um, if you particularly related to any of the picks that were brought up during this episode, we'd love to hear yeah. your opinions. Can you still engage with that person's work or why do you never touch it at all? Was there someone that we missed that you think that that, that you think we should be looking at? Yeah. Who's the person who betrayed your uh, fandom and your, you know, your love for that person? How did it go for you? We'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Katie, thank you for being thank a stellar you. guest. Thank you for freaking having me. Oh, there <laughs> it is. You can follow <laughs> us on Instagram at Female Fight Club Pod and feel free to share one of our episodes with a homie if you'd like. We are here to make friends. Our cover art is by the lovely Haley Ewins and our music is by the also lovely Sound of Kalama and our tech producer, you guessed it, our dear friend Armand. Okay, Katie, we like to wish each other a good day around here. So would you like to do the honors? Oh, <clears throat> yes. Good day. Good day. And a good day. We greet her. Surprise. Female Fight Club. She's not going to forget that.